American soccer fans, hello. Welcome to episode 40 of the Stars and Stripes FC podcast. She Believes Cup begins tonight as we record on Thursday, February 18th. And this episode will go through the tournament. Donald Wine here, co-manager of Stars and Stripes FC, where you can find all the latest news on our national teams, the players that comprise them, and the beautiful game in this country. What can we expect from the best team on the planet? Let's jump right into it. It's all going down in Orlando beginning tonight over the next seven days. It's She Believes Cup. And the United States women's national team will take on Canada tonight, our rivals to the north. They then come back with a match on Sunday against Brazil. Former women's national team head coach Pia Sinhaga will once again line up opposite the United States, this time as Brazil's head coach. And then finally, the tournament ends next Wednesday with their final match coming against Argentina. Now, one thing that we got a lot of information from in the past week or so was the media availabilities that the women's national team have had. This team is terrific, in my opinion, at providing insight into kind of what they're thinking, their approach to things, how they handle practices and the matches, and just the competition. And one thing that we'll talk about uh, today in this short podcast that we have are the squads that they're facing. Again, they're facing Canada, Brazil, and Argentina. If you recall, Japan was supposed to be that fourth team, but they pulled out due to COVID restrictions and Argentina replaced them. But all of these three squads are missing key players. And, of course, the United States women's national team are missing a couple stars as well. Sammy Mewis is out because of injury. Tobin Heath is out because of injury. Allie Krieger and Ashley Harris adopted a baby. Congratulations to them. Uh, just an absolute joy to see uh, how happy they are with their latest addition. But we are missing a few key players in this tournament. And because of that, it lends itself to wonder how we approach these games. There are three different teams with three different styles, especially Argentina, who the United States has not faced in a few years. They have some crafty players, and they present a different challenge than the women's national team may be used to, but we also don't have some of their best players. Brazil, of course, Marta and Dabinha are here, but Fortamiga is not here. There's a couple of other key players that did not make the trip, and Canada is missing a wealth of talent because of players not being released due to COVID restrictions. So the issue for the United States is how do you get that motivation? How do you get motivation from knowing that you're going into a tournament against three difficult teams, but teams that may not have been as difficult as once planned? And at their at the best of their game, at the top level of their game, Canada, Brazil, and Argentina probably would not defeat the United States if the United States are on their game. So where's that motivation? And the team talked a bit about this. Alyssa Nair talked about what it's like to, you know, go through games like she did last month against Columbia, where she could have probably played, you know, video games back there and not had to do much because she didn't have to do a lot. The defense is not doing much because of this incredibly uh, aggressive high press that they employed on offense, and it kept the ball in the offensive half of the field. So where do you find the motivation to make sure you're getting better, to stay sharp, to make sure everyone is on the same page? And Alyssa Nair talked about communication. This team has been great about how they communicate with each other on the field, where everyone is. If someone's going up, someone's falling back, whatever is happening, everyone knows where the other players are on the field. And I think you can tell as a fan, if you're watching this game, you can see when teams are clicking 
and, and they have the chemistry to make things work and try a couple of things that may be kind of outside of their game plan. And this team is able to try some things, and they're able to put players in different spots, and they're able to free image person and send her up, and they're able to free Crystal Dunn and send her up and have other players fall back into positions that they're not used to just to see how it would work. And you could tell last month they were able to do that. It'll be interesting to see what they do with these three games. I asked Vladko Endonovsky about that high press that they employed. It was very aggressive. You could tell it was a lot of fun because the ball very rarely got past midfield uh, into the defensive end for the United States. It was very, they were taking a lot of shots. They were having a lot of scoring chances. But with three games in six days, I asked him if there was going to be something that he would have to dial back and not be as aggressive because these are quick turnarounds for these ladies. He said, yeah, he may try to do that, but they want to control the tempo, and these players are competitive. They want to go, 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 and they want to have that high press. They want to be able to be aggressive on offense and do the things that they want to do because they are in control. So I, I like that approach, and it's great to see that that approach doesn't waver when you're playing Columbia, you know, a same team twice in about five days, as opposed to playing three top 12 teams or at least two top 12 teams in the span of a week. That is refreshing in a way to kind of see a team that's saying, Hey, I don't care. We're just going to go for it and see what happens. Uh, And with this team, when they say they're going to go for it, they will go for it. So expect that high press to continue. Expect to see a lot of offense, expect to see some aggressiveness when they're trying to get the ball control possession and go the other way on offense, trying to look for a score. And then also with these players, they, you get to learn a little bit about their personalities, how they remain friends and and how they gel as a team while also the competitive nature of things. Remember this player pool was probably a good 30 players solid. There's some players that may be on the fringe of that 30, but for all intents and purposes, there's probably 30 players that have a chance to be a part of this Olympic team. The Olympic team is only going to be 18 with a couple of alternates. So there's going to be a lot of competition at every single position. And just think about up top. We have probably five of the best 10 forwards on planet Earth. And the other five players are probably in the top 15. And only five, maybe, will go to the Olympics. If that. They may be even four, depending on how Flacco sees this team and how we see some of the versatility. So they have to stand out in some way. So these practices have been very competitive. They've been growing as a team. They've been improving as a team, which is very dangerous for everyone else in the world, right? Because this team is absolutely phenomenal. They are the best team on the planet for a reason. And all of these teams have to fear that they are facing a much improved women's national team than they did in 2020 or in 2019 when they defeated everybody. So this is going to be something to watch for obviously please stay tuned to these games and if you have a chance to listen to sound bites from these press conferences please do they're very insightful i think again i think vlatko and his coaching staff does a great job at explaining things the players kind of are really good at adapting and making it fun but also giving you a glimpse into how they approach this game how they approach these performances and these practices and these these matches and just their overall ability to get better as a team and individual 
there's also several great writers out there who are live tweeting or otherwise posting quotes from these media availabilities. So definitely, if you're not already, follow writers like Meg Linehan from The Athletic. Our very own Stephanie Yang tweets out a lot of information from these press conferences. Meredith Cash, Julia Poe, and Annie Costable, among others. There are plenty others that I'm forgetting, but I know that those that I mentioned especially are important follows, not just during She Believes, but for every day for up-to-date news in the women's game. We also here at Stars and Stripes FC will continue to provide the coverage uh, throughout the She Believes Tournament and beyond because this team is our team and we love them and they are the best team in the world. It's great to cover great soccer and they provide the best soccer. So that will do it for episode 40 of the Stars and Stripes FC podcast. I know it was a short one, but we wanted to get it done as the tournament started. Enjoy the weekend full of games. Let's see if the women's national team can defend their She Believes crown as they start to ramp up for the Olympics. We will be back next week, the last week of Black History Month. So until then, take care.